Episode 43, rounding third of the baseball podcast. James, lots of good news today. Lots of teams streaking, winning and losing, managers being fired, players hitting the IL, records, streaks being lost. Lots of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's an exciting week of baseball. Let's get into it. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. James, as usual, on our Monday, we, we always kick it off with recapping the standings as they stand after Sunday or Sunday standings. Um, I mean, before we get into that, James, any opening remarks? I mean, I think it's, you know, before you even get into the standings, it's just a very exciting time. Right now for baseball, you have so many hot teams, as you mentioned, cold teams. You know, I think... It's actually a little bit of a shakeup since our last standings and a little bit more to talk about. I know the last couple of weeks, it kind of, you know, same story, a little bit different. There's some fun things going on in baseball. Yeah, a lot. there actually has been a lot of a lot of shakeups at the top of some of these divisions, or at least in the middle areas, and lots of tight races to talk about. Um, but James, let's just jump into it. I'll start with the AL West. Lots of stuff here, especially. You know, you still have the Astros at top. At the top, they're cruising. They, you know, they've maybe fallen a little bit. They've lost their past two series, both at home, one to the Mariners, one to the Marlins. But they've got such a cushion and such a dominant control over this division that I really don't think Houston has much to worry about at the top. But as you go down, this is where things get interesting. The Angels, after losing Sunday Night Baseball and after losing 14 straight games, before um, finally winning one against the Red Sox and then losing the series to the Mets. They've dropped a third place in the AL West behind the Texas Rangers. Just huge drop-off for a team that I think a couple weeks ago we would say was you know top seven, eight team in all of baseball. Now they're in the third place in their own division behind the Texas Rangers. 29-33 and 33 for the Angels, just on a huge slump. Behind them, Mariners still 27 and 33, and the A's went on a huge losing streak. I think they lost 10 straight, but they're they're totally out of it. How this affects the playoff picture, though, if you look at the American League wild card, it is very tight. Very tight. There's if you look at the Red Sox, who own the last spot, there are let's see, one, two, three, four, five teams within four and a half games of that third wild spot wild card spot, including those three AL West teams I mentioned. The Rangers, three games out. Angels, three and a half games out. And Mariners, four and a half games out. Lots can still shake up in the AL West. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I think the crazy part about this story to me, of course, those Angels, like you said, were pretty much consensus top eight power rankings when we did them. To me, it's the fact that the team chasing Houston, which I agree with everything you said, this is kind of their division, just keep pumping it through. But it's the fact that the Texas Rangers are in second place. I mean, they made their upgrades. You know, they, they tried some trades. 
but it was a team that we in predictions i think were like yeah they're confidently probably a four team like there's a big drop down between them and the mariners you know and angels and really they've kind of shocked some people staying in that second spot and during this last week or so Corey seager has not been playing his best baseball and they're still cooking only eight and a half games you know out of that division again they're not there but like you said that wild card max it's it's going to be tight yeah, the third wild card really shakes everything up. There, there's so much more to play for, and and I, I mean, I think the Rangers thing is more that the Mariners are surprisingly poor, and the Angels have been slumping as of late. That's kind of pushed them into that second spot rather than them like going on some streak to get there. I mean, they're playing well, but you know, if you look at their last ten games, they're only four and six in their last ten. They lost the series in Cleveland. I mean, they're just kind of there by the fact that these other teams are falling. But like I said, only three and a half games out of the playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah, and I think, you know, that it's early. I don't think there's going to be a lot that we see, you know, out of this Texas team uh, down the stretch. But just interesting, Houston, definitely a runaway. You know, I think I'd take us to the American League East where we have another runaway situation. That being, again, unchanged, the New York Yankees just annihilating the league on top. They're 44-16. and 16. You know, they're on a four-game win streak. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. There's just not even a lot to say there. They're crushing the ball. They're getting great pitching. I mean, it's a lot going right for, for the Bronx. And then right there you have that Toronto-Tampa Bay race, which is pretty interesting. Toronto in second place eight and a half games out and you have Tampa Bay right there on their heels, half a game back, you know, just coasting and both those teams have 35 wins. So it's, it's still a very good division. Then you have Boston, you know, they're kind of had a good stretch here recently, eight and two in the last 10, but they're still in fourth place for the division. And then Baltimore, I mean, is it worth talking about them, Max? I don't think so. No, I mean, but this, this division though, like those three teams, are the three wildcard spots still. I know they were when we did this last week and we talked about it, but if you look at the three American League wildcard spots, it's Blue Jays, Rays, Red Sox. And the Red Sox are fourth place in the division, but they're 32-29 and 29 on a pretty good streak with a pretty big run differential. I mean, right? They have the third highest run differential in the entire American League, only behind the Astros and the Yankees, who are just crazy. And, I mean, the Yankees thing is like 44-16, and 16. And, you know, a lot of these games, and you can tell by their run differential, a lot of these games they're playing are just, like, non-contests. I think they put up 18 on the Cubs today. I mean, they, they're they just insane. It, it, yeah, the, the game today, the 18, was crazy. I mean, you got some moments. You had the Giancarlo 120 exit velocity nuke. You had the 35-mile-an-hour uh, ball just crushed because, I mean, why are we throwing, like, a sixth-grade pitcher speed? you know, in a professional game. So interesting stuff there. But Max, I mean, how do you feel about this division as a whole? I know it's one we were excited for and thought had the potential to be the best in baseball. You know, now that we're really in the season and looking, you know, have they lived up to the hype? I mean, I think it definitely has. I think it's exceeded it. I, you know, I didn't, I, we knew the Yankees would be good, but we, neither of us picked them to win the division. And certainly nobody assumed they would be this good. 44 and 16 through 60 games. I mean, that, that, that's an incredible. Um, but the Blue Jays are one of the most fun teams to watch. They're 11 games over 500. They would be leading any other division uh, in the American League except for the West, and they would be right behind the Astros. 
Um, and the Rays continue to just be like the modern day money ball. Like they went to the World Series the COVID year. They went deep last year. Um, they uh, And then they lost 17 players uh, off of their 100 win team last year. And they're, they're just, they find ways to get it done. This is just a really well-run organization. It's too bad they play in a terrible stadium and have terrible jerseys. But it's just a really fun division. I think it's definitely lived up to the hype. You don't like, do you even like the light blue? The light blue is okay. I just think, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that the team's colors and they're just like dark, dull stadium makes that team like hard to watch and hard to like want to see win, in my opinion. I feel like that's part of the narrative though. They're just like this organization that should not be there at all. You Like you're in the stadium again, like I've been there. It's terrible. I mean, it's brutal. It's very clearly the worst facility. And it's like they almost don't matter, <laughs> but they just sneak there. You know, they just sit there winning games and keeping themselves in the playoff conversation every year. It's crazy. Yeah, they need an outdoor stadium. Like they need to build a brand new, nice outdoor stadium somewhere either closer to Tampa or if they're moving the team somewhere nice. Like they're in Tampa, Florida. They they can they can let some sunshine in. It's like terrible there. It looks terrible. It's like only above the A's, in my opinion, in facilities. Yeah, it's just like like you said. Why do you have the dome? This is you know Tampa, Florida. Let let it go. You know, let's get something exciting on the bay. Uh, so we'll see, you know, maybe they'll finally start taking some of this winning and, and help the facility. Um, you know, speaking of team team and division that maybe could use dome stadiums at some point, you want to kick us into the AL Central? <laughs> sure. How about the AL Central? Um, the Twins continue to be at the top. They're just playing very consistently, as we talked about. They just win series, right? They had a three-game series against Toronto, or excuse me, against Tampa Bay. Uh, took it down two games to three. They played the Yankees, which it's hard to run up against the Yankees right now, but they were able to get one, which would count as a win. And I think this was before our last episode, so I talked about it then, but they ran into the Red Hot Blue Jays, who were streaking then and were able to take a series from them. They're just consistent. They continue to get good wins, um, and they just are running this division. Only a three-game lead, though, and the team that's kind of been surging right now, seven and three in their last ten, they haven't been playing the greatest of competition, but they're getting the job done when they need to. That's the Cleveland Guardians. Three games out from the division lead and only a half game out of that third wildcard spot. They're the team closest to that third wildcard spot. They took three out of four against Oakland. They took two out of three against Texas. They took two out of three against Baltimore. They took three straight against the Royals. Um, you know, they're just, they're playing bad competition, but those are the games that you need to win and they're winning them. They lead all of baseball, funny enough, in rainouts. That's why they, <laughs> they play significantly less games than a lot of other teams, but they're still there. And the, th- the team that I think is just, I- I'm just over them. I don't think they're a good team. I think they need to fire Tony La Russa. That's the White Sox at 27 and 31, six games out, really struggling, really struggling. Um, and then those two non-factors behind them. It's interesting, though. If you look at um, the – the or excuse me. Yeah, if you look at the, the, the teams with the best record in one-run games, but only ahead of the Yankees at 12-4 and four and the Astros at 11-5 is the Twins at 10-6, and six, where the rest of the AL Central hovers around 500 at 8-8, 9-6, 7-7, 5-6, respectively. So I think the Twins are just – 
they're winning by small margins, but they're able to eat out wins and, and stay consistent. And that's why, you know, I'd be shocked if they didn't win this division. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes great baseball teams and, you know, makes a great playoff run, just having to eke out those wins. And the Twins have been kind of that model of consistency. Uh, I'm interested kind of with the Chicago White Sox, and I don't think this is something we've talked about on the show yet. You mentioned fire Tony Larusa. I mean, what was he doing in that Dodgers game? I don't like, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but intentionally walks Trey Turner with a one two count. Obviously, Max Muncy in his first game back from AAA rehab assignment, just moon ball, like three run home run. <laughs> he's talking shit, but it's like, what are you doing if you look at the analytics of it? Like, Trey Turner has less than a .100 batting average in that instance. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, and it's also like, why did you pitch to him at all? And then and then you're going to walk him once the pitcher's like one strike away from getting him out? It, it, that was kind of ridiculous. I just think that team needs a different type of energy than Tony La Russa pro- uh, provides. I think that team has a lot of like young flashy guys like Tim Anderson and Luis Robert and Jose Abreu who need like maybe somebody with a different attitude and a different just culture in the building is what, what I kind of think, you know, Tony La Russa is uh, upwards of 70 years old. And I, I, I just struggle to see how he could mesh with those types of players. I think they need to get a new manager and I think they will. So I'm going to do an emergency uh, impromptu preacher reach right here for you, Max. Preacher reach, if you pick Gabe Kepler on the Chicago White Sox, they're a 100-win baseball team. (laughs) I don't know if they're a 100-win, but I like that fit more than Tony La Russa. I think Gabe Kepler is a great manager. Um, But I I think this team has other problems despite the manager as well. I think their offensive production is down. Um, and their their pitching is pretty injury injured. I mean, they were they were warming up Cease in the bullpen today because they were so thin on arms. Yeah, no, the, there are some other problems. I just I agree with you, Tony Larusa. Like, I don't know. I just don't. He he shouldn't be on this team. But again, you know, I don't want to lose sight of the fact just in this AL Central, the Cleveland Guardians. I mean, I think at this point they've surpassed anyone's expectations, really. I just love their young core. Like, they have a lot of really good young guys. I mean, if you look at their minor league team, they've had the best prospects forever. The Columbus Clippers have always been a really good minor league team. And now they're bringing up guys like Stephen Kwan we've talked about. Oscar Gonzalez has come up. He has 40 hits in his first 25 uh, games for the Guardians. That's a Cleveland record. Richie Palacios coming up. You know, I, I think just a lot of these guys are playing really well and we talked about how the advanced numbers on their offense is great. I think this team has a decent shot. You know, they're a half game away from that wild card spot. And with the three wild card spots being controlled by AL East teams, it's likely that one of those teams drops at least. So we'll see if this team can pick it up, keep it up. They play the Yank, they play the Dodgers this weekend. That, that's going to be a, an interesting series. Obviously I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, fun fact of it. I can't remember what game, one of the games in that series, uh, maybe June 18th, Sandy Koufax gets a statue unveiled. So going to be looking for that. That's going to be an all-time moment. So shout out Sandy Koufax. That'll be a fun game. Um, for sure. And I guess Send speaking of that, I was going to say, speaking of that, I'll take us right to the NO where the Los Angeles Dodgers, again, are on top with a 37-23 and 23 record. But we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. San Diego refuses to kind of give up. You know, they're a half game back. 
They've been 7-3 and three over their last 10, so they are right there on the Dodgers. Also at 37 wins, uh, the Dodgers just have a game in hand, so that's what's keeping them up top there. So San Diego, again, without Tatis, just strangling this division. You know, they're the number one wild card spot right now. And then the number two wild card spot for the National League, San Francisco, that third spot in the NL West. You know, they're three and a half games back, division lead. They're 33 and 26, so they, they're right there. They're still in this conversation uh, very much there. And then after that, you know, this big fallout that we talked about, Arizona, Colorado, just stinking up the bottom, Colorado, uh, winning the losers race in the National League West. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting in this division. The Dodgers still seem to have a pretty good hold on it, although getting swept by the Giants definitely didn't help their cause. I mean, they're only half game ahead of the Padres who don't even have their best player right now. Um, it's going to be a tight race up there. I, I wasn't big on the Padres at all coming into the season. I, I thought they would be bad. I certainly didn't think Manny Machado would be, you know, an NL MVP candidate, but this team's just looking really good. I, I'm still skeptical about the Giants. I did not think they would sweep the Dodgers, but I think I talked about how last week I thought this team would start slumping, and I, I guess I was wrong. They really picked it up and, and looked pretty solid. I mean, this it was an interesting series against the Dodgers. I think there were a lot of points where things could have swung different ways. But that that's going to be a fun race. It'll be a fun race. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I obviously didn't really want to talk about the series. Pretty brutal stuff there. But it, while it was a weird series, San Francisco did also just show some skill. You know, Julio Urias had a pretty good game, pretty solid outing. You know, and still, Giants come out on top. So it's it's a tight division. It's interesting. I feel like the San Francisco team, this is almost Gabe Kepler's identity now. Like, you know, sort, sort of Tampa Bay Rays-esque where it's like the, the roster doesn't look there, but, like, we're getting wins. We're staying in the conversation. Yeah. How about I go to the NL Central? This this division has been absolutely shitting the bed recently. Uh, coming into the Cardinals-Reds series this past weekend, the NL Central was a combined on a 17-game losing streak with the Cardinals getting swept in Tampa Bay. But the Cardinals picked it up. They actually are now in first place in this division by a half game over the Brewers because the Brewers have lost nine straight games. Um, coming into today, they finally got a win against the Nationals. But nine straight games, nine straight game losing streak is one of the biggest stories right now. And, you know, if you look at these losses, they lost two to the Nationals. They lost three to the Phillies, who are also on a streak, which I'm sure you'll talk about. And they lost three straight um, to the Padres before that. And this team just fell right out of control of the NL Central, allowing the Cardinals to kind of jump in. And the rest of the division, as we know, is pretty bad. An eight-game drop, Pirates on a six-game losing streak, Cubs on a six-game losing streak, and Reds 21-39, and 39, really bad. But Cardinals now in control of the NL Central and the Brewers on a big slump. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that streak in a little bit. But, James, how do you feel about this division? It sucks. I mean, it's just like I appreciate the Cardinals. You know, I'm a quasi-Cardinals fan for you. And, of course, the Brewers normally there to at least make it kind of two to tango. But with them just on this streak, I mean, it, it's just like terrible. I mean, outside of the Cardinals, it's more or less unwatchable baseball. At this point in time, again, the Brewers have a good team. I think they'll turn it around, and, you know, it's still going to continue to be a two-pony race. But 
it's just hard baseball to watch, man. I mean, like the Yankees just dunking all over the Cubs for 21 or for 18 today. It's like, what are we doing? Like, brutal. Yeah, baseball. the Brewers, I mean, they fell all the way out of the division lead. And not only that, they wouldn't even be in the wild card spot right now, partly because of another team that's red hot right now that I know you'll talk about in a second. Um, but yeah, they're they're a half game out of the third wild card spot right now at 34 and 28. They've just been on a huge downslide, and Cardinals play them coming up soon, which will be a, a big matchup fighting in that division. But I honestly don't think that Brewers team is that good. Um, you know, one of the biggest things for them was their rotation. Woodruff and Peralta have been out for a minute now, and so they, they just are having trouble producing runs. Well, yeah, Willie Adamas started the season incredibly, and he's been super, super cold. I mean, how do you feel about the Cardinals' you know position? Are you happy that they took the division lead and just want them to like run with it to the end of the season, or would you rather stay in like that two spot and just strike? <laughs> I mean, I would I would definitely rather have the division lead than be in the two spot. It's interesting. I mean, the Cardinals haven't done tremendously lately. They got swept in Tampa, which was such an unfortunate series. I mean, they I mean that game one they lost in extras on a walk off home run when it really seemed like they should have won that game, and then. After that, it didn't seem like they were able to turn it around, but got a good series win against Cincinnati and then playing Pittsburgh coming up. I'm very happy that they have the division, and I don't think it's some type of fluke. I think this team is playing a lot better than the Brewers are, clearly, and I think they're just a better team than the Brewers. And I think if things fall the right way, and you know, I hope the Brewers get healthy just because it's it's good to see teams have full strength, but I think this Cardinals team can really control this division. they got to get a new starting pitcher, though. Yeah, I think I agree with that, and I think the Dodgers are in the same position. So Luis Castillo, you know, help wanted. Toss up the uh, bad yeah. signal, if you will. Well, talking about a team that could use a little pitching help and surely will come off of the IR, let's move to the National League East to round up our Sunday standings. Again, that team I'm referencing, the New York Mets, still on top of the division. First team, I believe first team, to, oh, no, not, I think second team to 40 wins behind the Yankees. 40 wins, 22 losses. Uh, you know, they're playing okay as of now. But the real story, you know, real story of this division has to be the Atlanta Braves. I mean, they're on an 11-game winning streak. They, they're just playing incredible. They're looking just like they did a little, during the World Series run. They're just flaming hot, scorching hot. Acuna's been a beast. I mean, it's... it's uh, I, there's just, I don't even know what to say. It's just like, wow, the Braves are back. They're here, you know, and I know, I think a couple episodes ago, we're like, oh, is this Braves team out of it, you know? And then, yeah, I mean, the story yeah. here, the story here is the Braves. I mean, the Mets have been playing, you know, great all season and they continue to, but this Braves thing, like they basically had a team meeting with Brian Snicker, their, their manager. And, he basically was like, look, last year's last year. This is a new team, new goals. Um, and since then, they've won 11 straight games. They'd be in the playoffs right now in that third wild card spot tied with the Giants. I mean, this team is just – this is the Braves that we expected. Acuna's found his stride. He's rolling. Um, Matt Olson's been playing great. Just this whole team, this whole team that we all know from their playoff runs these past couple of years, they've been playing great. And I think this is this is the Braves that we expected. And I, I expect them to, you know, not keep up its winning streak, but I expect them to stay 
fighting for playoff spots the rest of the season. And who knows, maybe they'll catch the Mets. Look, and, you know, to me, I think it's also the division's more exciting to me. You know, the Phillies team, this Phillies team is playing uh, really good. We'll talk about them in a second, but I just love this Atlanta team chasing New York. I think that's kind of what you expected. The reigning World Series champions, kind of an excited storyline um, there. But to round up the, this, this division, you know, while the Phillies are nine games back, Miami's 11 games back, those both those clubs have been incredible. As I said, Phillies 9-1 and one over their last 10. They're now at an even 30-30, and 30, so looks like they've had a lot of improvement. Um, and their one loss being today, they won nine straight, a nine-game winning streak after firing Joe Girardi, and then finally lost today to the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and it's just, you know, so I think that, that firing Joe maybe did kind of light, light the – fire under the ass of some of these players so it's also and, and Miami they've also been good they're seven and three in their last 10 you know making a push maybe trying to slide up and do some things but they're still under 500 you know 27 and 31 so that you know they had a team meeting that we'll talk about uh, but they had a nice little sweep lost today but had a sweep uh, earlier in the week uh, on the nationals so it, it's been an exciting division but it's all Braves and at least all Braves yeah, I mean, it's somewhat similar to the AL East. I mean, obviously the teams aren't as good, but the top four teams are all in the positive for run differential. Um, and, that you know, that that's pretty interesting. And so it, it, it makes it fun when these teams play each other a lot because, you know, it's always big competition. I think Marlins, Phillies play this week. So, you know, a lot, lots of good stuff. But I guess that wraps out the Sunday standings, James. Lots of shakeup, but... It, Still, still kind of the same picture. Yeah, it's the same general uh, picture, but I definitely appreciate, you know, a couple of fun storylines and teams making a move. So it will be fun to see how these streaks kind of resolve and, and unpack that a little bit. Well, let's talk about the Angels. Um, this was probably one of the biggest storylines, uh, kind of in all of baseball, that, you know, we talked about Jackie Robinson in our last episode, and this streak has kind of been in the middle of this. But the Los Angeles Angels, lose 14 straight games, fire Joe Madden, their manager. Um, I mean, it was a pretty brutal streak. Mike Trout didn't get a hit for, I think, like 26 straight plate appearances. Otani was struggling a bit. They just got Rendon back. It's actually funny. This um, Tim Kirchin told a story today about how Joe Madden was going to shave his head uh, into a mohawk to try to ramp up the players a little bit and then he was fired and never got to show them but i mean this team they so in the 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 losing streak consisted of three losses to the red sox three losses to the phillies three losses to the yankees four straight losses to the blue jays and then one loss to the rangers where they split a two-game set with them so you know just absolutely getting shelled huge shock for a team that was up there and you know we were hoping to see them in the postseason yeah and as you mentioned they now are third in that division you know it's crazy because there was two joes as managers in the mlb and then uh, one week later no joes um but yeah you know the shakeup. i think it had to happen you have some of the best players and mvp mike trout probably the best hitter alive and you can't. You just can't be dropping that. I mean, they they were right there competing right on Houston's heels, and it's a bad streak. 
So we'll see if it turns it around again. They just lost on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, I, I'm I'm skeptical if it'll turn around. I mean, this team's pitching is just not – it's not good. It's not good at all. And their upcoming schedule, they play two at the Dodgers starting on Tuesday. And then eight of their next 11 games are against Seattle uh, with a short series against Kansas City in the middle of there. So, you know, Seattle's a formidable opponent, opponent and trying to catch them as well. So they'll be motivated to play. Lots of question marks surrounding this team, like, are they going to be in a position to make a move at the trade deadline to get somebody? Um, what's the, you know, are, or are they going to be able to turn it around and kind of play how they were at the beginning of the year when it seemed like they couldn't lose? But right now, this team just is really struggling. Yeah, I think they definitely are also in the pitch and sweepstakes. I think they are going to need something there. Again, you know, Noah Syndergaard just – he has him at playing his best baseball. I think he has about a 3.6 ERA on the season. So, again, you know, not terrible, but they needed him to be, like, a really, really solid number two behind Shohei. Yeah, no, Tani's been struggling, too, from the from the mound as well. He hasn't had his best outings. I mean, he got shelled in the Bronx, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, and he was okay in his last outing. But I don't know. This team has been a very unimpressive. We'll see how this this stretch coming up, what it does for them. See, now I have beef with you because, you know, I early on was skeptical of this team and you sold me and made, made me buy in. And now here they are right where I originally anticipated they would land. That's fair. I, I did. I remember convincing you that, you know, that their injuries wouldn't be an issue. And to be honest, the injuries haven't been too big of an issue. I mean, Trout and Otani have been playing. Rendon's missed some time, but it's kind of funny that this this has actually been like this team at full strength, not playing well. Yeah, they're just losing. They're losing games, so we'll see if anything really gets shaken up with the manager. Um, it'll be interesting to see that. Yeah, they weren't the only team streaking, though. Um they, they, so they lost 13 straight. Another big losing streak, which I touched on, was the Brewers losing nine straight, which they snapped today. Phillies winning nine straight, which they uh, lost today. And Atlanta still currently on an 11-game winning streak. Lots of streaks. But, James, my question for you with these, which one are you most surprised by first? I mean, all of these teams are somewhat in the mix. You know, they all had expectations of and hope for the playoffs. Which team are you most surprised by? Yeah, I think it's interesting because there's there's really two that stick out to me, but I think the one that I've got to go with is just the Brewers. I mean, that obviously I think they're a pretty good team. I think I I think of them in a more positive light than you, but it's like you do have a really good rotation. You have some solid hitters. You know, you have some names. They've strung together some things. So to just see them completely go from leading their division, you know, up till this point, to just a tail dive and, and you know, giving up that lead, it's it, it was surprising to me. I did not see this much of a losing streak. Sure, maybe five, six games, but, you know, nine, and they just squeaked it out versus the Nationals, so... You know. Yeah, and it's funny, like, during during the streak, these teams played each other. And the Phillies won 3-2, 10-0, 8-3 in that three-game set. You look at this Philly streak, they won one against the Giants, they won three against the Angels, three against the Brewers, and then two against the Diamondbacks, where the Brewers, conversely, uh, lost two to the Nationals, three to the Brewers, and four to the Padres, as I said earlier. So... 
I, I would agree that those two have to be the most surprising, but I'm going to say the Phillies because this is this team was one of the, using our terms, diciest teams in baseball, and then they fire their manager, and then they win nine straight games. So, I mean, it's like total turnaround, and it's, it's just extremely surprising. The Brewers, I mean, obviously you can't expect a losing streak like this to come, but they're, they're dealing with injury issues and slumping players. And what I think is just a, um, a below average set of offensive players. Um, you know, I feel like at the beginning they were getting above expected production from like Rowdy Telez and Andrew McCutcheon, where McCutcheon now has a negative wins above replacement. Yelich isn't playing well. I, I just don't think this team's legit, but I think the Phillies one is most surprising. Yeah, and I, I agree. That was the other team I was between. I think the one reason that I didn't go there is actually because of the firing of a manager. Again, maybe you don't expect like a super streak. I mean, a nine-game winning streak is very impressive. But you knew it had to kind of shake shake something up. I mean, here you have a very respected manager, you know, just housed, kicked out the door. So that would be the only thing where it's like, well, yeah, you know, they got fired up. But probably a small chance of that happening and Atlanta streak like it's really good but it's not surprising they just won a world series they have Ronald Acuna one of the best players in baseball you know great pitching recently yeah I mean I agree I it is I think it's the most important streak out of all these I mean this is a team that you know was performing below expectations up to this point and they've they've just looked like they've really gotten it together four wins against the Pirates, two wins against the Athletics, four wins against the Rockies, and then a win against the Diamondbacks. So they're not playing the hardest competition, but at the same time, their offense has been popping. Their pitching has been great. They look like they could totally compete for another World Series. So I I think the Braves is the one that really stands out to me as being most – I don't know. I agree. Most expected. Like this is a team that I expect now to continue to play at an elite level as the season goes on where the other teams have huge question marks over what's going to happen. It's like the Brewers we think are a good team, but they've been playing poorly in the Phillies. We kind of think it's a bad team that are playing good. So we'll have to see which one can keep up that momentum that they have or lack of. But I think the Braves is definitely the most impressive and most important right now. Yeah, I would agree with you. Definitely most important Atlanta for kind of the implications in the future and playoffs and all that. Uh, they, you know, they're right back in the mix now. They're a serious contender. And as we saw last year, you do not want the Atlanta Braves in a wild card. You just don't. Definitely. And, and sticking with the Brewers, during this streak, um, when they played the Phillies during this losing streak, Josh Hader, the best reliever in all of baseball, finally lost his 40-inning scoreless streak. He was tied with Astros' Ryan Presley for the longest scoreless appearance streak in baseball. 40 innings he went without giving up a run. He was 313 days between him giving up runs. He gave up two home runs to the Phillies um, during one of those games, as we talked about during on those streaks. He had 32 of those um, were saves, 32 consecutive saves, 11 of which were with one run, which is kind of insane, right? That's one-third of the games. He's coming in to try to save it up one run. He gets it done. I mean, these stats are just ridiculous. You can say them all. Um, Hater, it's 14 and a half strikeouts per nine. 
He struck out 43.5% of the batters he faced in his whiff percentage. So batters swinging and missing entirely was 41.9%. And batters hit 0.087 with him again uh, on this streak. Just insane numbers. And, you know, it was it had to come to an end. Someone's going to get to him eventually. But just, I mean, hats off to him. Yeah, he, it's, he's one of those guys, just consensus, he is the best reliever in baseball. Like, there's no other conversation to be had. If, if you could get one, draft 1-1, one, one, it's Josh Hader. I mean, incredible stuff. Like you said, these are better than video game numbers. I mean, it, how impressive is it to strike out 43% of the batters you face? I mean, that's insane. That If you had a starting pitcher do that for a full nine, you read the per-nine the per Ks. I mean, just a ridiculous pitcher incredible streak and I think critical to the Brewers success you mentioned you know saving those one-run games that can't be expected especially not at that clip that he's doing it yeah and you know I I've seen him face the Cardinals a bunch and I, I don't think these numbers are fraudulent like if you watch him come in his he's got such a weird delivery and a weird arm angle and it's kind of like sweeping across it just looks impossible to hit, and he's able to place his pitches super high velo all over the place and mix it um, with a variety of off-speed pitches. He just looks impossible to pit to hit, and you can see players, you know, just getting mixed up with his pitches all the time. So props to Josh Hader. Yeah, great streak. Happy to call that out, you know. And as you said, it was going to end. I mean, eventually this thing can't get into the hundreds, you don't think. But I would propose we stay in the National League East and move to some other news. We talked about the Phillies, or sorry, the Braves team meeting, kind of turning their season around. And, and there's a different NL East team, and that is the Miami Marlins, who had a team meeting. And this was a team meeting on Tuesday that was called um, was called by Don Mattingly, uh, and he wanted this to quote get things in the open, according to John. Uh, Heyman of the New York Post, uh, Jazz Chisholm was the subject of criticism in the meeting. Uh, essentially, his teammates, you know, not really fans of the fiery personality and, you know, the flashy outfits and the hair and all that. And the things that I think the fans love him for and makes him great for the game of baseball. So had this big, I guess, 90-minute slug session. Uh, and then they come out, and Don Maddenly even told uh, – reporters before the game you know the team may come out flat today uh, and the exact opposite happened they clubbed the nationals 12 into the final score jazz schism had two home runs one of which was a grand slam six rbis in the day so max my question is just like what do you think of this meeting i mean did- i think this is total bullshit like what are the marlins doing I mean, I, so I, I don't blame Don Mattingly. I think he called this because he suspected other players were talking behind his back and he wanted everything to be put in front. But, like, Jazz Chisholm is, like, the only good thing with this franchise. I mean, he's going to be the face of baseball uh, in the coming years. He's one of the best young players in all of baseball and the only good player on this team, really, uh, from an offensive standpoint. And it just doesn't make any sense. I heard they were comparing him to Dennis Rodman, which seems – just totally like anti-historical. There's no way that's true. And players just being jealous of his fiery personality that enamors uh, the fans is ridiculous. Like, it's not like he's out there showboating and not producing. Like, 
He's having a tremendous season. He can go out and do whatever the hell he wants if he helps the team win. Um, I just, I just think this is ridiculous. Well, and you can see, you know, he's not like a me, me, me player. You can see that passion when he's running out and making infield singles. He's scoring from two and he's flying in and pounding his chest. Like he wants to win and he's doing everything in his power to win. I think it's insane. I mean, he's a guy he's, I would definitely put him on the top 10 list of like best players for baseball, just to grow the game, like the excitement. And as you said, the pitching staff, incredible. There's no, like, Jazz Chisholm is the offense of that team. You could take every other player off the field, switch them with anyone else. It doesn't matter. Like, it's Jazz Chisholm's team. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I just, I really don't understand it. I really don't understand it. And I I saw reports that, you know, maybe it was because other players were jealous of him. I, I just don't understand that. Like, Sure, they might be jealous of him because he's amazing, but like, are jealous of what his fiery personality and that fans love him. Like, you should be happy that he's on your team and producing at such a high level at such a young age. I just don't really understand the eclectic nature of of the other players, and I guess maybe Don Mattingly, but this he's producing at such a high level. He's going to be an all star, and. I think this is totally absurd that they thought this was a good idea. And I love that he came out and just slammed two monster home runs and helped the scored half of the 12 runs that day or drove in half of them. Oh, and even then the next day you're, you know, on Thursday, they completed the sweep of the Nats jazz again at two hits, two runs scored. So it's like, he is producing all this time. He's producing and I don't get it. Cause if you look at the young talent around the league, Fernando Tatis jr., you know, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr. These are players that all have this fiery passion and great for the game, but their teammates seem to love it because they're like, sweet, we have one of the best players on our team. Like, I'm much happier our pitchers don't have to hit against them or pitch against them. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like it hasn't affected the team too much. They went on a great winning streak, a little winning streak, uh, winning a series in Houston, which was big for the interleague play and a series that was great for them. So, I mean, we'll see if this dynamic continues, but I just, I, I don't know. It, it kind of bothers me. Like he's playing at such a high level. It's not like he's not showing up to games or, or you know, showing up hungover and not playing well. Like he brings it every single night and plays his heart out and is putting up insane numbers. So I, I, I think this is ridiculous. I hope that we don't hear anything more about this story and that whatever issues there were are resolved. Yeah, I think that that could be the one silver lining is if everything could get out there and maybe Jazz could explain and everyone would get on the same page, you know, maybe it resolves that you come to each other, you know, like grown men and, and talking out. But it's, just, it's ridiculous. I mean, again, that's Jazz Chisholm's damn team. He's at least 40% of the reason I'll, I'll even turn on a Marlins game is for Jazz Chisholm. So it's just like everyone just shut the hell up, let him have a great time, and continue to win you baseball games. Right. I'm with you. I'm with you. James, our next last storyline before we get to our staples is all about the Dodgers. I'll just throw this to you. Tell me tell me about this Dodgers pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers in a whole, you know, just got swept by San Francisco in San Francisco, which is brutal. I mean, that's like a kick right in the knee. Again, before anyone gets in the mentions, let's not forget the playoffs where it mattered. Uh, but – yeah, this Dodgers pitching staff, big reason of, of the team's, you know, lack of success and and huge shakeups. Luckily, Clayton Kershaw finally back, made his first start. 
pitched pretty well, still ended the game with a loss, but for coming off the IR or the IL, was happy with that. The sad news was the Dodgers had to sideline their ace, their best pitcher by skill level, in my opinion, and that being Walker Bueller, will not be able to pick up a baseball for eight weeks, it was announced. So I imagine that means by the time he gets throwing and rehab starts and simulated innings and probably, you know, a double-A work, I don't think we see him for 12 weeks. I mean, we're talking, you know, playoffs. I mean, you know, right at the halfway point of September playoffs. So, you know, is he going to be rusty? Just big implications. As I said earlier, I think the Dodgers need to go out and trade for, for some pitching. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Um, I mean, Walker Bueller, he's honestly struggled a little bit this year. Um, he's still done decent, but, you know, he was a lot of people's NL Cy Young pick, and I don't think he's lived up to that level. Um, and especially with the, getting swept by the Giants and the Padres right on your tail, you know, this isn't really a point in the season where you can afford to be dropping games with these teams. Despite how well you're playing, these teams kind of right behind you chasing. It's good to get Kershaw back to kind of fill that spot where Bueller was. But they definitely do need some some more arms, or at least to be healthy. You know, and it's crazy because Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson have been their best arms. But it's just a, a rotation that's really, you know, injury prone and getting banged up and not getting in rhythms. And and it's tough. I mean, I, I love uh, Tony Gonsolin, Tyler Anderson's been a maniac, but like for the Dodgers to win a World Series, I don't think that can be the front line on your your rotation. Yeah, probably not. I mean, especially think about if you're, you're playing in the NLCS against the Mets, where you're going to play face Degrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Taewon Walker, McGill, and then repeat. I, I think you definitely need at least Bueller and Kershaw and. Uh, Julio to be at full strength and pitching at the top of their capabilities to have a chance. Yeah, it's, you know, and I hope that maybe with, with the rehab that it lets Walker Bueller reset a little bit and fine tune the mechanics. And because if you can get him at his level where he's been, I mean, I think he's one of the best pitchers in the national league when he's really at his stuff and at that peak. So again, they're just kind of at this time of plugging and chugging and trying to get guys back. And even the bullpen has been banged up. So just trying to steal innings and and you know do what what they can. Craig Krimble, he he's been down recently, uh, just activated at paternity leave and injury. So just interesting stuff for Los Angeles. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that race and how this affects it. I mean, they're going to need pitchers to step up, and the Padres are right behind them. And getting Tatis back, I think end of July is what they said. So you know they've still got sometime before his offense is back added back to that lineup but you know it's a very tight race and they're going to be they're going to be needing wins you look at some of those games like pittsburgh where they dropped and it's like ah, you got to win the games that you're supposed to have to yep that's right how about we go to the player watch we got our sunday or yeah our sunday staples to close it out Rounding third. Well, we're after we're actually shifting this around. We're doing player watch this episode and spicy and dicey on our next episode. Uh, since we just kind of talked about streaky teams this whole time, we don't want to repeat ourselves. But let's talk about some good players, James. We got player watch lock of the week and then Sunday night baseball review. Player watch. 
I'm curious to see where you go. I'm, I kind of feel like we might see an overlap, but give me your hot player. Well, I will say there's a lot of really hot players right now this last week. If you're looking at the last seven days, hard to choose one in some regard. My list is long, but for me, I mean, it, it's pretty easy here. It's a player I just absolutely love. He was my front runner for AL MVP. That is Byron Buxton just playing out of his mind recently. Over the last week, he has five home runs, good for seven RBIs, batting average of 412. And this is what's insane to me. His OPS is 1.853. I mean, it like it's just insane. He's a threat every time he's up at the plate. You know, Correa's been there too. This Minnesota team continues to be very dangerous. Most of it at the bat of Byron Buxton. Yeah, and he was your preseason AL MVP pick. So yes, you know, he was. So I'm love, love it's to gonna be It's gonna be tough to catch a judge though. But either way, I went National League. Somebody you mentioned a little bit earlier, a team that's streaking. My NL MVP pick preseason, it's Ronald Acuna. I mean, he's been a huge reason this team has been playing so well. In the last seven days, he's 10 for 23. It's a 435 average with nine runs scored, four home runs. Um, He's just looked amazing. 500 on base percentage and OPS at 1.5. He's just so good in that leadoff spot and, you know, kicking off the offense with him, whether it's getting a double or a homer or just getting on base, which he's done half the time in the last seven days during this streak. He's just been a tremendous uplift for this offense that, remember, started the season pretty poorly and he wasn't playing. And then him just providing that spark at the beginning of the offense is so good and he's been playing tremendously. Yeah, I love the pick. I mean, he's right there on the list. Uh, you know, look, he's the best player playing at the best level for the team that's the hottest in baseball. He's been incredible. Again, he also had a uh, stolen base. So, you know, he's got those wheels, you know, keeping that intact. But, you know, one other, I guess I want to toss an honorable mention just because of, you know, it's a player that we, we've kind of, he's been on the wrong side of this uh, segment a couple of times, but that's Marcus Simeon yep. wrapping up a great week. He had four home runs, 1.53 OPS, batting 480. So great week for him. You know, as he said, Texas isn't really doing anything incredible to be in that two spot, but they're kind of maintaining the ship and a big part of that and stealing some of these wins is Marcus Simeon just out of his mind. Yeah, I think that's a good point. They played a doubleheader in Cleveland uh, earlier this week, and I think he had like he had some crazy stat that day, like three homers, seven RBIs across the two games, or, or something crazy. He was he was in my second spot um, for for uh, spicy player of the week. Yes, I mean I think you know players that you expect, and I think all three of those players are actually pretty exciting. Uh, Ronald Acuna again, Byron Buxton there. They're different, but they also remind me, you know, they're flashy center field. How about I'll kick off this, uh, the, the, the negative player, um, the poor player of the week. It's somebody who actually pitched really well on Sunday, today, um, as we're recording this. It's Carlos Rodon. Um, so, I mean, he had a great outing today, and I was still going to plan to pick him, and I still think I should pick him. Today, he went six innings pitched, two hits, no runs, eight Ks, three walks. Really great outing as they got the sweep of the Dodgers. But if you look at his game log, um, 
let's just say the past five games, in every single one he's gotten the loss. Um, and if you just look, four innings pitched, two runs, four hits. Five innings pitched, six hits, two runs. 5.1 innings pitched, seven hits, three runs. Six innings pitched, five hits, two runs. And then 3.2 innings pitched, eight runs, 10 hits. Not, you know, they're not the worst numbers in the world. But this is Carlos Rodon, who the Giants are paying $50 million to come in and be that replacement for Kevin Gossman and be right behind Logan Webb and help this team do really well. These, these numbers just don't line up with that, that, that payment and what they're hoping to get out of him. That being said, he has had Carlos Rodon type outings. He had one today, and I think he will be able to bounce back. But I just think it deserves to be said that he has been a bit off his game these past couple starts. Well, I believe that was your National League Cy Young pick in the prediction, right? I think you're right. I think you're right, yeah. And I know I had uh, Walker Bueller, so currently we're both a little off the mark. Carlos Rodon did start extremely hot, though. I mean, I think he was, at least for the first three or four weeks of baseball, probably the front runner. I think so, too, and I think he'll come back. I mean, he's still got an ERA under four, and he still looks like he's got great stuff. He just got beat up on a little bit. Um, and that one game, I think, was a Sunday night baseball game, the Giants-Cardinal game. It was the one where Albert pitched because Cardinals were up so much, and we just went off on him. But he, he'll he be back to his normal self, and he, he already is. He had an amazing outing against the best offense in baseball today, so I think he'll be fine. Who do you have? You know, I'm torn. I have a position player and I have a pitcher. And I'm not sure which to uh, go with here. I think I'll follow your lead and I'm going to go with a pitcher. And this, again, team scorching hot. The New York Mets, they continue to get it done, stay on top of their division. Five and five over their last ten. But a guy that they've really counted on to be there with Jake DeGrom down, with Max Scherzer out, is Chris Bassett, you know, over his last couple starts, he's been in rough shape. Uh, he's had 5.87 ERA. He's got a 1.37 whip, so that's walks, you know, hits. That's base runners per game. No wins in that stretch. So it, it's just a guy who we've seen played really well this year. But as he kind of had to step up and anchor this rotation, he has not stepped up. Instead, we've seen guys like Taiwan Walker, McGill, but – so far in this last couple of weeks, Chris Bassett has not pitched like his normal self. I, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I think he's kind of like my pick in the sense that, like, they're going to turn it around. Like, they, they, we know what stuff they have, and they'll be okay. Yeah, I'm not worried about, you know, anything there. I still think he's going to be a great third option on this team and, and a pretty scary guy to get to on the third day of a series. Yeah. How about our Almost. betting? I mean, let's let's go to lock the week here, James. I mean, how did so you had I, so I won my bet, which I, I forget how many did that put me at on the year three or two? That put you at two, and that tied us at two. Unfortunately, I lost. I had Cardinals minus one and a half on Sunday night baseball against the Cubs, and they did win five to three in extra innings. And you had the over. What was the I over? Did you... The over at nine runs just missed it, and it's terrible because on the last lock of the week segment, that's exactly what you said. I said I hope the Cardinals win by minus one and a half, and the over doesn't hit. 
you predicted it, and I'm out of this. I'm done with this St. Louis Sunday baseball. I thought I had a trend there. You know, I've now lost back-to-back bets trying to play that, and I'm just – I'm not going to get caught on it again. So we're tied now, right? Two wins apiece? An abysmal two wins apiece, I would say. That's true. I'm going somewhere a little bit different. I'm doing a series pick. I kind of like these. I'm going to take um, – the odds aren't out. I'm curious to see who the favorite is, but this is my bet of the week. I'm taking Guardians to win the series against the Rockies in Colorado starting uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series. Um, I mean, my justification for this is this is a team that's offense is tremendous. It's a team that can hit a lot of home runs with Jose, with Naylor. Oscar Gonzalez hasn't hit one yet, but I think he'll get one this series. This team just has really good offense, and when you're out in Denver, the ball is going to fly a bit further. I think the Guardians are going to win this three-game series. It's a big one for them on this West Coast road trip before playing the Dodgers. So I think they're going to take care of business. Guardians win two out of three or or win the whole thing against Colorado. I like the pick. It's an interesting pick. I do think they win the series, just not really a series that I have my eyes on. I know you track the Guardians, you know, a little bit more of a eclip. I do think the uh, Denver altitude is going to be friendly to uh, our friend Jose. Um, so... I like this series bet. I did not go with a series. I, I'm just tired of losing. I'm tired trying to get in these trends. I know I say this frequently. We reference it, but I'm like, I'm pulling back the curtain. Let's get simple. What do I know? What do I think? And the thing that I feel like I always have the best feel on is my team. That's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Coming off the sweep of their rivals in San Francisco, where they were swept, I should indicate, you know, pitching's been questionable. Tuesday night, you have Tony Gonsolin versus Noah Syndergaard. Syndergaard's not been playing. Incredibly, Tony Gonsolin's been the best arm for the Dodgers, 7-0 and on the season. I have Dodgers at minus 1.5. Do not have the odds out on that yet, but I'm hammering it. I'm just super confident. They need to bounce back. This is the highway series. You know, to me, this is a very important game. You know, you're kind of defending who is the real Los Angeles. And I think we will see in this game, it proved very clearly, Anaheim is not Los Angeles. It's a good pick. I I, I mean, the Dodgers will be favored because the, the Angels have lost. Well, let's see. They've, they lost 14 straight and they won one, lost 2-1-1. So, I mean, they, they got to be the favorites. And we'll, it'll be a big series for both teams. You know, Dodgers dealing with the arm issues like we talked about and only a half game ahead of the, the Padres. And the, the Angels need something to get going. So a big highway series for them. I like the pick. All right. Well, I think that rounds out all of our staples so far. And, and you know, we didn't really touch on this, but things got jumbled a little bit. Uh, we had, of course episode 42 which i would implore any of you who've made it this far to make sure you've listened to that that was reserved the jackie robinson special change some topics around i like the move we're gonna go with keeping player watch paired with the sunday standings that way it's not a whole episode talking about teams we'll pick back up with you on thursday you love to you love to skip the sunday night baseball review oh my gosh i did skip the sunday night baseball review and this, you know, maybe it's because to me this wasn't a super exciting game, but there was moments, and it certainly wasn't a bad game. So take us in. 
I mean, it was it was a it was an interesting game. It started off kind of, you know, the Angels only had one real good offensive inning, and that was the first inning, you know, where it started with a Brandon Marsh double, uh, followed by Mike Trout driving him in. And that was the only run the Angels scored all game. And, and after that, Taewon Walker was just lights out. Um, his, his line on the whole game was six innings pitched, six hits, one earned run, 10 Ks, one walk. And keep in mind, six, he had gave up six hits. Four of those were in the first inning. So after that, he was pretty much lights out, gave up two hits, 10 Ks, one walk through that, those five innings pitched. And then the huge, huge, um, save from Edwin Diaz. He comes in, gets five outs, which is a lot for him as he usually comes in in the ninth. But five, 1.2 innings pitched, needs to get five outs and gets five Ks. Um, I mean, he, his stuff is just electric. And the high leverage situation that he was put into where the tying run is at the plate in Mike Trout and he comes in and strikes him out, he's the real deal. Um, really impressive pitching from the Mets. And, I mean, they got a J.D. Davis homer and a Pete Alonzo homer and won the game 4-1. to one. It's pretty simple. They're pitching, and Taewon Walker led the way. It was kind of just come in and take care of business. Um, I do like the matchup. You know, Mets-Angels, pretty exciting teams. Again, the Angels have been real slow, you know, and not producing recently. But the star power is certainly here. But it's exactly what you said, just a classic pitcher's matchup. Mets just handled – handled the game incredibly as a staff, uh, got the, you know, run support they needed, nothing that crazy out of the ordinary and just got to win, won a game they should have won. Yeah, and I think Patrick Sandoval had a good hit or had a, excuse me, a good start for the Angels as well. I mean, right, he went six innings pitch, had eight strikeouts, um, gave up a lot of hits, but only two earned runs. He did give up the home run to J.D. Davis, which was his first home run he's given up all season. Um, so, you know, the pitching was good. Offense was a little lackluster. I know they were talking on the broadcast about the shadow and how that played into effect, but I just think this angels offense is not very good. I mean, Trout went one four with two K's Jared Walsh who hit for the cycle yesterday. I had three K's. I don't know. The, the pitching was good and the offense is on in a slump. So that's quite a recipe for just total domination. And I feel like for the most part, despite how the score seemed pretty close, this game was just Mets the whole time. Yeah, it was pretty easy. You know, I think, as you said, there was kind of the high leverage situation with Trout. You know, Diaz had a really incredible outing and, and close save from him. But it, it was just Mets taking care of business. I agree. Another good Sunday night baseball. I, I think we got White Sox Astros next Sunday. We'll we'll preview it in our Thursday episode, but should be good. Um, but James, I'll let you go ahead and close this out now. Yeah, let's try this again. Um, great Sunday night baseball review there. Again, good episode. Things. Who's player of the game? We got to do that. Player of the game. I mean, I I go Taylon Walker if I'm being honest. But see, I I like to I like the Walker pick. The only one that I would say is Diaz. I don't know if he contributed enough, but going 5Ks for five outs, that's pretty ridiculous as a closer. I mean, it doesn't really – I don't think you actually can get a better outing than that. I can still properly be a closer. So, But I do think Tywon Walker kind of set the stage there. So I, I'm fine with you know conceding. 
I agree that Diaz would be the next guy. I don't think there was enough offense for any offensive player to get it. And after that tough first inning, he was lights out. So, okay, we can give it to him. I think so. We went Taiwan Walker. We gave it to Bader. Uh, I forget as we go, but but yeah. Anyway, just wanted to say that. Made sure yeah, we got the third player of the game. Congratulations, Taiwan Walker. You've earned it. <laughs> and I mean, see, so yeah, to wrap this up, we've, we've switched around. We're now going to do our player review with the Sunday standings. Catch us back on Thursday where we will do spicy and dicey and resume with our lock of the week and our normal programming. Yes, sir. All right. Talk to you guys on Thursday.